This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. But tonight we're going to stay within this vein of resurrection because I believe that God is here tonight to bring dead things to life. And I believe that for many of you, 2020 was a year marked by death. And maybe for some of you here tonight, the last couple months have been marked by death or by loss or by disappointment. Whatever that is for you tonight, I believe that the Lord is here through the power of his Holy Spirit and he is gonna bring dead things to life. The title of my message is Get Up Out of That Grave. You know, as I was driving from Utah to Wyoming this week, I heard the Lord specifically say to me, Jason, it's time for you to get up out of that grave. It's time for you to get up out of that place that you've been laying down in because you've been discouraged or defeated or disappointed. It's time for you to get up out of that place of death where the enemy and the world and all those wrapped up in that system want to keep you. And I believe that if God wants to say that to me, I believe that he wants to say it to you as well. I believe there is a prophetic word tonight is what I'm going to call it that he wants you to hear. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to silence your phones. I want you to look up. I want you to engage. I want you to be ready to receive. I want you to hear tonight from the Lord as if he is here speaking directly to you because he is. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 11. And we're going to begin right there in verse 1 tonight. And it says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Do you guys remember that? And it was her brother who Lazarus is who was ill. And so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, here's what I want to say to begin with tonight. I believe much of what we've been experiencing is a setup for the glory of God. For those of you that remember back in January when we talked about this great reset that we've seen happen within the earth and within our planet, I believe that it's a setup for God's glory to be revealed like never before. And I don't know if that encourages you, if that's scary to you. I don't know if you have a frame of reference for that. But tonight I believe that if you would let God speak a word of resurrection over your place of death and over your grave, you're going to see his glory all over your life. Thanks, Sam. You can go. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus have sent messengers to him to say, Jesus, the, the person that you love is ill. And Jesus knows that there's more at work behind the scenes than what meets the eye. There's something else at work in this story that we need to become aware of and in tune of if we're going to receive all that God has for us with regards to this word of resurrection tonight. So I want to pause right here before we 
go any further. And I want to establish just a couple things because the teacher in me wants to teach, the preacher in me wants to preach. But tonight, I need to establish a couple things before we move forward. And here's the first thing that I want to say. I believe that we have been walking in a season of social and collective illness so that the glory of God can be revealed. But I want to say this. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of illness. We need to have that established in our hearts. And if you don't tonight, I want to tell you, God is not the author of illness. God is not the author of COVID-19. God is not the author of AIDS and cancer. But God will use it and allow it so that his glory can be seen through it. 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, the promise of God for you and for me and for those who love him and are called according to his purpose is the promise of God for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you understand the point I'm trying to make? If you love God and you are called according to his purpose, then you can trust that this promise is for your life. You can trust that he's going to work all things together, not some things, but all things together for his glory and your good. And if you don't have that established in you, it won't matter what I say the rest of tonight. Because you have to trust and you have to know that God is the worker and the, the person who brings good out of evil. The one who brings good out of suffering. Some of you have gone through real suffering and pain. And I'm not here to diminish that tonight, nor is the Lord. But I believe that if you allow him, he can transform it. And he can use it for good. We sing that song, I know that you're turning all things together for good. It's rooted in this reality. And I want us to lean into this tonight. The second thing that I want to say to us is that what we have been experiencing is not going to lead us into death if we look to the resurrected one. If we look to the world, if we look to Babylon, if we look to the system, if we look to our election outcomes, if we look to government and people in places of power to solve the persecution and the suffering and the pain and the problems that we face, we're going to be out of luck. And we're going to be discouraged and we're going to be disappointed. And we're going to find ourselves in a place of death. But if we look to the resurrected one, as far as I know, Jesus is the only resurrected one. He's the only one. And we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about it about the evidence of eyewitnesses who saw him, who put their fingers in his holes and saw him ascend in glory. But I want to say this to us. We are the ones that will see him descend in glory. And it may not happen in our lifetime, but it could. And I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. As we've been talking about, Jesus conquered sin and he conquered death. And the Bible says that if his spirit now resides in you, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now resides in you, then you too can walk in victory over sin and death. 
Some of you don't believe me yet. Well, let me tell you what the scriptures say. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thank God he gives us victory over what? Sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to walk in any sort of victory, you can't do it apart from Christ. You can't look to self-help books and podcasts and Oprah and Rob Bell and Deepak Chopra to, to help you out. You can't go to the Dalai Lama and have him perform a blessing on you. The only way that you're going to overcome sin and death in your life and in your world is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have been in a season of waiting for God to do something for you that he's already given you the power to do. What do I mean by that? If Christ was raised from the dead and his spirit now lives in you and in me, we have victory over sin and death. We're not just of those that put a little bumper sticker on our car. We're not perfect, just forgiven. We're just sinners, but we're saved. No, no, no. We have, it's more than that. We have victory over sin and death. Now I can relate to victory because I'm a competitive person. And I want to win. When I played football in high school, we didn't win very many games, and that was tough for me. The Lord really had to work on my soul. <laughs> but I'm still a competitive person, even when I play video games. I play Halo, I want to win. All right, we'll take it back a little bit further. When I play, never mind. We'll just stop right there. <laughs> It doesn't matter if, what I'm doing. If I'm in the gym, I'm looking over my shoulder because I want to win. And I believe that Christ wants us to win. He wants to give you the spirit of a winner, of an overcomer, of someone who walks in victory. Someone who walks in victory doesn't mean they're superhuman. It doesn't mean you're not going to face trials and tribulations and problems. Come on, we all got them. But it means that no matter what we face, we can thank God because he gives us victory over sin and death. I think the reason why many of us continue to struggle with private or secret sin is because we don't trust that God actually wants to give us victory over it. We think we're supposed to remain in bondage. We, 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 we're supposed to struggle that we're supposed to just, well, that's just our story. And I'm here tonight to break that off of your life. Because I believe God wants you to know victory over sin and death. John 11, verse 5 through 6. Now, with all that said, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he came running as fast as he could. What does it say here, guys? When Jesus heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer. How would you guys like it next time you're in the hospital? And you knew that Jesus was close by. He was in the region. He was down in... Lehi and you were in Salt Lake up at the hospital and you sent for him and his response was I'm going to stay two more days down here there's a setup happening here for what Christ is about to do 
And for some of you, you've been in a season of waiting, waiting for God to move, waiting for an answer, waiting for that perfect spouse to come along. Uh, that's never going to happen, by the way. Uh, waiting for him to do something about what you're going through. And what is Jesus doing? He's lingering. He's waiting. He's stalling. Now, why? So that you can continue to suffer? So that you can continue to be in pain? No, because he's about to do a mighty miracle. And I believe some of you came in here tonight, and I'll say this prophetically, you have been waiting for God to move. And you have given up on hope because you feel like your prayers have gone unanswered. You feel like you've been left all alone. But I'm here to tell you tonight, he's just been waiting two days longer. And he's about to come. He's about to do a miracle and a work in your life. John 11, verse 11 through 16. Now we're going to skip ahead a little bit. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus, now speaking to his disciples, has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus, verse 14, told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Jesus, why are, why are you going to stay here two more days? So that you may believe. Jesus, why aren't you running to my aid? And why haven't you given me the breakthrough I want in this? And why haven't you answered this prayer? And why did, this, why did good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? So that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, <laughs> said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, with Lazarus. Now, time out here. What Mary and Martha had feared about Lazarus' illness came to pass. Lazarus is dead. He's dead. While Jesus was lingering and waiting and stalling, Lazarus died. And Thomas is so caught up in what has happened to his friend that he's ready to go and die with Lazarus. He's ready to go. He says, let us also go that we may die with him. I want to say this to us tonight. The influence of death around you will always try to bring about a death inside you. Don't be surprised when you're hanging out with deathly things when you find yourself buried alive. Don't find yourself surprised when death comes to your life because you've been hanging out with or influenced by or addicted to or opened the door to deathly things, things that bring about death and destruction. Many of us are there right now. We've been flirting with death. We've been hanging out with people that are bringing us down with them into the place of death, into the pit, however you want to phrase it. But I want to say this, when you're walking through a valley of the shadow of death, don't stop. Don't stop and start digging a grave there. 
Be very careful of who you listen to and who you surround yourself with when you're going through a difficult time. Some people want to see you die. They want to see the light inside of you snuffed out because they're jealous or envious or frankly, they don't understand. So be very careful when you go through a time or a, a trial or a, a moment of death or suffering that you don't lay down there, that you don't allow other people to begin shoveling dirt on top of you because the influence of those that are wrapped up in death will always try to bring about death within you. And that's what the spirit of this age is trying to do right now, church. It's trying to bring about death. It's trying to bury you and bury me. The enemy comes, the Bible says, to do what? To steal, to kill and destroy. He wants to bury you. He wants to bury us. And for some of you here tonight, that's exactly what's happened. You're in a deathly place. You're in a place of despair. And you need a resurrection. You need to get up out of that grave. Jesus says, I come to give life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to still, to kill us, to destroy us, to devour everything about us, to bury us, but Christ comes to give us life and to set us free. What does Jesus say here? He says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. I believe so strongly in my spirit tonight and what we're walking in as a church that we have entered a new season and a new time where Jesus is about to demonstrate his power and his presence like never before. I believe it. And I'm already seeing the first fruits of it. I'm already seeing the, 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 the wind change. I'm already starting to notice things are different here. We can't go back to what was. As much as I might want to, as much as you might want to, we can't go back to what was because Jesus is calling us forth out of our graves into a new season of power and presence so that you and your family and your co-workers and all your friends who are caught up in deception, who live all throughout this valley, may believe. Jesus, why would this happen to me? So that you may believe. Jesus, why, why would this go the way? I, I didn't go the way I thought it was. You brought me to this place and now I feel death all around me. Don't worry. I'm about to do a miracle. I'm about to bring forth power. I'm about to bring forth resurrection so that you will see the power and presence of God Almighty like never before. I'm done playing games. I'm done with powerless Christianity. I'm done with programs. I'm done with principles that have no life. Life in them. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for life, but I'm standing in front of you. You think that in them you have life, but I'm telling you, I'm in front of you. Jesus has come into this world, not so that we can continue to play games, not so that he can make good people better, but so that he can bring dead people to life so that those in your life will believe. And so I believe it's time to get up out of our grave. I believe it's time. It's time to live again. It's time to dream again. Some of you older ones, you seasoned ones, guess what? When the Spirit of God is 
poured out in the last days, it says that old men and women will have what? Will dream dreams. It's time to dream again. Come on, it's time to dream again. And you younger ones, what does it say? It says you will have vision. You don't know what, what people who've been 20 years further down the road know. You need vision. You need foresight. You don't have it. Your peers don't have it. Don't be surprised when you go to your 27-year-old friends for advice and they don't know what to do. Find somebody wiser and older than you in this room and seek them out and ask them to show you stuff. Jeff, teach me what you know about business. Right? Come on, show me what you know. You've been down some trails. This old cowboy's been down a few dusty trails. It's not his first rodeo. But he's got some wisdom that some of you need. You know, Tim and Jen, they run a coffee shop. Some of you want to open up your own business or open up your own whatever. Go talk to them. Seek them out. There's people all around you that have gone through stuff. Sophia and Ernesto have been all over the world. Missionaries to China and Peru and Mexico and all over. They've seen some stuff. Seek them out. The mentor myth is this. Someone's going to see I'm special. Someone's going to see my potential and come invest in me. That's not how it works. You've got to seek out mentors. You've got to seek out wisdom. But here's the good news. When you seek it out, you'll find it. People are more than happy to invest when they see that you're able to be teachable and to receive what they have. I think it's time for us to get a dream in our heart again. It's time for us to hope again. It's time for us to get up out of that grave. John eleven seventeen. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four stinking days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him. But Mary remained seated in the house. You know what I love about this part of the story? Is we always give Martha a hard time. You guys remember the story? Jesus comes to Bethany and he's hanging out with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And Martha's all in the kitchen, busy about her work. And Mary's worshiping Jesus with the ointment and just loving on him. And we, and we showcase that story. And as worship leaders, we really showcase that story to talk about how you know, it's, so much impo- it's so much more important to worship Jesus than it is to be busy about the things of, of your life. But here, in this moment... Who's, in, who's the one that's in pursuit of the master when death shows up at their doorstep? It wasn't Mary. It's Martha. Who's the one who comes running after Jesus when all hell had broken loose? It's Martha. It wasn't Mary. Martha had discovered something beautiful and amazing about Jesus which caused her to come running after him. And what does she say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. It's time for us to give Martha a little bit of a break, people. Because there's more to the story. And what I want to say to you is maybe you got caught in a moment and you got stuck in a moment 
not worshiping Jesus. But there's hope for you to figure it out and to, and to, to see Jesus the way that Mary saw him. And in this instance, Martha knew what to do. And she goes running after Jesus. And she goes, Jesus, I know that whatever you ask of the Father, he will give you. You only know that if you've spent time with him. It's time for us to give Martha a little bit of a break. She says, in other words, Jesus, the circumstances around me are not good. They are bad. But even now I know that with God, all things are possible. I wonder if God might be challenging you and me today to, like Martha, grab a hold of Jesus and to have an even now I know kind of faith. An even now I know kind of faith. God, I, I, I know that all hell is broken loose and I don't know what to, to do, but even now I know that you are faithful. God, things didn't go the way that I wanted them to, but even now I know that with you all things are possible. Some of us have been fed lies, even through the church, that with God some things are possible. And as a result, we have not given people permission to have audacious faith and to dream a little bigger, or to quote one of my favorite movies, to dream a little bigger, darling. God wants you to not be accused or guilty of aiming too low. He wants you to open up your heart and believe. And for some of you, that might be a little scary and a little risky, and that's okay. That's good. But I believe that if we become the kinds of people that can learn how to put faith demands on God, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see Jesus do the impossible among us in this church and beyond the walls of it. I believe that with all of my heart. So let me ask you, when you look at your life and your relationships and your job and your circumstances, do you know that with God, all things are possible? Do you know that? Listen to Jesus' response. John eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said, no, listen, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And whoever, whoever, whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Is that what the text says? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do I believe this? And she says in verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. People of God, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him, though they die, yet shall they live. John 11, verse 38 through 40. We're going to skip ahead now. Then Jesus, coming to the tomb, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, there she is again, the sister of the dead guy, said to him, Lord, by this time there will probably be an odor, for he has been dead four days. <laughs> now, now, just remember, how many extra days did Jesus linger and wait? 
too. So that means that Jesus intentionally wanted it to be real stinky. <laughs> Jesus was okay with it being messy. Jesus is okay with your mess. He doesn't expect you to clean yourself up and perfect yourself and then come to him. He waits for things to get real stinky and real messy. And that is the place upon which he does his best work. His greatest miracle is about to happen. And he's been setting the stage the whole time. It's going to stink. It's going to seem real bad. It's going to seem impossible. He didn't wait three days. Jesus only was in the grave three. He waited four. Four. He, he made it for an extra day just to make sure Lazarus was real good and dead. Verse 41. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing all around, that they may believe that you have sent me. Verse 43, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were all bound with linen strips and his face was all wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and set him free. Tonight, the word I believe the Lord has given me for this church is that it's time to get up out of that grave. It's time to be unbound. It's time to be set free. And if you and I will listen to the voice of the master calling out, the resurrected one, the one who conquered sin and death, the one who waits, the one who lingers, we will experience a new kind of resurrection here and now. I'm thankful for the resurrection to come. I'm thankful that we're going to get a new and glorious body. I'm thankful that whether that happens in our lifetime or whether we come back when Jesus comes, we're going to see that day. But I believe that right now, Jesus wants you to experience resurrection where you're at. Some of you have been in a grave. You've been in a deathly place. You've been consumed by death. And by the report of, it's only going to get worse. What happens if the, if the COVID strand mutates? What happens if we all have to start wearing masks? What happens if we have to all start getting passports? What happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? And we're just giving in to a narrative of fear. And Jesus, the resurrected one, the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life, is standing before you, and he's standing before me, and he's saying, come out! Come out! Get up out of that grave! Get on up. It's not the time to lay down. It's not the time to, tell, to allow society and the culture and the patterns of the world around you to have you lay down and be buried. It's time to get up because you've got work to do. And I've got work to do. And there are people all around us that need what we have. They need it. Some of you need it. Some of your friends need it. Some of your Boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and neighbors need it. And Jesus is standing and he's calling out to the church. 
Get up out of that grave. Come on, I know you, you, you feel like 2020 was the worst year of all times, but get up out of that grave. Yes, things didn't happen the way you wanted them to, but get up out of that grave. I believe that's where the Lord has us right now. And I'll tell you this, I'm excited about it. Maybe you can tell. I'm excited because I believe for so long we have been leaning on crutches, leaning on props, leaning on structures and programs and things to try to give us resurrection life. And people leave our churches because they don't feel any life in them. Where's the life? Some of you have been a part of a dead church. Some of you have seen other people give their life away to dead things. But Jesus is the one who came and who comes and is here now to bring life to your very soul. Maybe you've had a dream in your heart for years that you've allowed to just die and be buried. I believe God wants to resurrect that tonight. Maybe you're at a place where you need to make some decisions about some of the people in your life that you're allowing to bring death and influence into your life. Meaning sometimes you might have to say goodbye to a few people. I can say this, I love my friends, but there were times where I had to choose between God and my friends. Doesn't mean that you don't stop loving them and praying for them, but it just means you can't get caught up in the foolish things anymore. God wants to elevate us. He wants to take us to a new place. But he can't do that if we're still in the sandbox, just goofing off. It's time to get serious. It's time to prepare. It's time to buy oil for our lamps. It's time to get ready for the soon and coming return of Jesus Christ. They believed it in the first century, but I think we need to believe it in ours. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been in a dark place with some real dark thoughts. I want to tell you this. Those are not your thoughts. Those don't belong to you. Because you serve a risen king, a resurrected one who has good thoughts for your life, who has a hope and a plan for your life. So don't give up. Don't surrender to those thoughts or voices that try to come at you. Get up out of that grave and grab a hold of the resurrected one's garment and live and live. And I speak that over you guys tonight. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.